Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. My name's Robert Shea, and welcome to another edition of FedHeads, joined once again by our guest host, my friend and colleague, Adam Hughes. Adam, thanks for coming back. I'm over the moon that I get to do this again. So I saved a special episode for you. As you know, I've been tracking closely the updates of agency strategic plans. The government doesn't have a government-wide strategic plan, but I say the closest thing it's got is the one published by the government accountability office. Like agencies, they updated theirs one year after the inauguration of a new president. We're joined by Stephen Sanford, Managing Director of Strategic Planning and External Liaison at the Government Accountability Office, who leads the production of GAO's plan, which also includes trends shaping the U.S. and its place in the world. Stephen, welcome to FedHeads. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Adam. It's great to be here today. I always look forward to the publication of this document, as you know. I'm sure you've got a fan club, but I'd consider myself among among your top fans. Tell us what readers can expect from this plan. Well, again, it's, it's great to be here. I always like the opportunity we have at least every four years to get together and, and talk about our plan. Again, we know we are looking ahead to the future with our plan. We are, I think, one of the few strategic planning offices in the federal space that also has a, a foresight unit attached to it. And we put that to work along with uh, all the expertise we have inside GAO, who are you know, very uh, familiar with issues across the federal space. And we take time to think about what are the trends uh, affecting government and society, both now and, and in the near future. And uh, we anchor our plan in that. And we ask our teams to uh, help develop our trends. We do that internally, that create that strategic context for the plan. And from there, with additional consultations with Congress, we put together our strategic plan for the next five years and are always trying to keep our our eyes looking forward with that. Before we dive into the trends and goals, I think it's important to reflect. I've called it the closest thing we have to a government-wide strategic plan, but it really is focused on the mission of this organization that largely supports Congress. And you've got a mission. GAO exists to support the Congress in meeting its constitutional responsibilities and to help improve the performance and ensure the accountability of the federal government for the benefit of the American people. You also list core values of the institution, mission values of accountability, integrity, and reliability, and people values of of valued, respected, and treated fairly. Any reflections you have on the development of those and their import relative to the overall plan? Well, you know, uh, GAO has a quite a unique mission in the federal government as a uh, nonpartisan, independent, fact-based agency working in the legislative branch whose core clients are members of Congress and the committees. We have a pretty unique role in government. And so our analytical work is uh, directly feeding into you know, the issues of the day and the things that are of greatest national importance uh, for the Congress. So our plan is working hard to reflect that. We put our mission front and center, but also we realize we can't get that work done without amazing people who are here at GAO with a wide variety of backgrounds and and experiences and expertise that we bring to bear on that work for Congress. And uh, finally, it is important to underscore those core values we have where making sure we're able to do that fact-based and independent and nonpartisan work uh, year after year for the Congress. We want to put that front and center with plan when we anchor it. 
Stephen, I've read through the report. It looks fantastic, first off. And I want to come back to that a little bit later. But one of the things that I first noticed flipping through, and I think this may be unique, maybe in the last, this particular one compared to previous versions of this, it seems like COVID and the global pandemic is sort of infused in well more than just a couple of these 12 areas. Talk a little bit how you you all handled that. Uh, I feel like you could have one area that's just global pandemics and COVID, but it it's not really the way that the report reads now. So is that an intentional choice? Is there just no way to get away from COVID in a lot of these different areas since because of the, the way that it has dominated the U.S. and the world? Uh, talk a little bit about that. It's a great question, Adam. And I think it's something that strategic planners and people who do strategic foresight are always confronted with when a major shock to the system happens, right? Do you plan and do your analysis with that shock front and center, or do you try to look beyond it and see what things look like once the floodwaters recede, so to speak? I I think the approach we took here really reflects uh, an idea that, that I underscored as important when the pandemic hit, which was that broad trends changing that are affecting government and society weren't necessarily created out of whole cloth when the pandemic hit. A lot of the trends we're seeing were there already. The pandemic, in some cases, in many cases, either amplified them or cast a brighter light on them or just made them more evident and apparent. But the trends were there. So I think that's something we tried to very consciously approach with the trends this year was understanding that, of course, you can't escape the massive um, effects that the pandemic has had on society, uh, everywhere from from the healthcare system to education, uh, to science and technology and medical research, to some of the other areas like disinformation and cybersecurity and things of that nature. So without making the plan and the trends all about COVID, I think we had to acknowledge that, yes, the pandemic has had some lasting effects and will continue to feel those effects. But we also, I think, tried to write these trends in a way that um, if you look at them, I think in you know two, three, four years, I do think they will still feel fresh and still be evergreen. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about that, because I feel like uh, even some of the things I was doing at work today, we have some things from the beginning of the pandemic that are no longer fresh because they are very specific. Um, and I think you're right about looking at some of the, the 12 that are on the list. Does writing a report like this make you more or less optimistic? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Um, hopefully it makes us more prepared. You, you know, we always anchor these trends in both framework of opportunities and challenges. And again, if you talk to people who do planning and, and who do foresight, it's very easy to go down the um, gloomy path of the, everything is bleak and, and we're all facing you know, disaster after disaster. But that's really not the case. If you start to unpack some of these trends, there are challenges for sure, but there are also opportunities, opportunities to do better, opportunities to change uh, potential future courses of how things are, are unfolding. And I think the trends are, are definitely open to that idea. Something else I'd like to add, Adam, is that you know, our choice to do trends, and, and for those who may not be familiar with our strategic plan in years past, uh, this was not a new thing we decided to do because of COVID, where we thought, oh, we've got to start thinking about trends and what happens in the future. GAO has been thinking about trends and, and its strategic plan since the early 2000s. And even back in the 90s, it was writing in our strategic plans how to, um, or, or noting the importance of looking ahead to, to develop a strategic plan. So that's been built into our DNA as an agency for decades, uh, literally. And I think that's an important thing to have that that tone from the top. Our comptroller general, the head of, of GAO, 
uh, Gene Dodaro has been very supportive of foresight. Under his leadership, we established a center for strategic foresight to help keep an eye on the ball when it comes to foresight for the agency. And foresight remains a part of, of our planning process. We've built it into our operations. So I think I gave you a heads up. I was going to ask you this. Reflect, Stephen, on the trends you've identified in the past. What's surprised you about what's emerged and, and what hasn't materialized in the trends you've developed over time? Sure. That's a great question. I think it's a question that's put planners and, and foresight folks a lot. You know, how, how well did your predictions turn out and how did you, how did you do? We, we actually, Robert, aren't trying to predict the future when we write these trends. You'll find in this plan's trends and in previous plan's trends, we're actually calling attention to data and things that are happening and identifying signals that are pointing toward a trend that is emerging, that is you know, just coming upon us as a way to set that context for the plan. So I think we've got a pretty good track record, actually, because we're not trying to make radical predictions about where things are going in the future, but rather saying, hey, in the near term, we're planning as an agency to support the Congress, trying to understand what are going to be the issues of greatest national importance for them and for the work we do. Where do we need to be thinking? And so that's the perspective we have uh, as, as we're building the trends out. But I think Again, looking back, really to answer your question directly, if I look back at past plans, uh, I, I think every trend was relevant and um, some of them continue to be. Yeah. One of the things I also reflected on was how you threaded the needle between GAO's service mission and the outcomes you're trying to help Congress accomplish. So under the goal of well-being and financial security, providing timely quality service to the Congress to help it address current and emerging challenges to the well-being and financial security of the nation, provide timely quality service to the Congress and the federal government to respond to changing security threats, help transform the federal government to address national challenges. Talk about balancing those two things, the outcomes you're trying to help Congress and the nation accomplish in the context of your work. Government Accountability Office's work is auditing and investigating and reporting. Sure. So the mission really is making sure we're providing um, analysis that's helping both the agencies and the Congress make government work better, right? That's really what it boils down to. So we're not prescribing you know, policy actions. We're, we're not a policymaking shop. But we realize that having good information is important to the policymakers. Uh, so we, I think collectively government and GAO is a part of that ought to be always thinking about how we, how government can respond better to challenges and, and opportunities. Uh, so we're, we're part of that equation. We're not, you know, directly setting out here's exactly, you know, what policy choice has to be taken, but we are in some cases now with our technology work and science work, laying out policy options and, and starting to provide some of that information to the Congress. Uh, and as well, working with the agencies on some of our most important recommendations that we feel are of highest priority to help them do their work better. So we definitely have that desire to have government work better. And we are proactive in working with the Congress and with the agencies to try to get those recommendations um, implemented and um, make a good case for them in the work that we do. So Stephen, what happens next? I sort of know the answer to this question, but the GAO doesn't reorganize into these 12 buckets. Obviously, some of your mission is you're fulfilling requests from Congress as part of your duties in the legislative branch. But do these plans drive the work over the next four years for GAO 
how much internal changes happen based on this release of this new report? Sure. So I think instead of driving the work, I would I would describe it as the plan uh, reflects the work that we're expecting to see. Uh, and again, this plan is not developed in a vacuum. We're not going out to consultants and asking them to, to pull together, you know, goals and objectives for us. It's the people, it's the mission teams, um, you know, our audit teams at GAO uh, working alongside our operations teams to think about what we need to do in, in the coming four years, five years to help Congress. And our teams are continually talking to their Hill clients, understanding what their needs are. We have an annual process that, that reviews uh, those discussions. And that's baked into the plan. Um, if you really want to get to the granular level, you can uh, look at the key efforts in our strategic plan. We have a whole separate section to the plan that really gets at the granular level of the work we're expecting to see come through and the issues that we believe we understand from Congress and that we believe ourselves are going to be important in the coming years. So I think that the trends set the framework. Um, they're not absolutely not a sort of blueprint for how to organize the agency. Um, and in fact, I think one of the great things about our trends and, and the way we've written them is that I would hope and I'd be pretty confident that any team at GAO that we have, no matter what their focus is, could look at one of our trends, any one of the 12 trends, and see something in there that relates to them and is relevant to them. Uh, and that could probably be true of, of almost any federal agency, too. Having a good, a good trend and a good foresight team to write them in that way, I think, is, is something that could be quite powerful when you see something of yourself and the challenges you face in any of the trends. So you've got a bigger job, Stephen, than just the strategic plan. What else are you working on? Well, the um, Center for Strategic Foresight is a, a really important component of that. We have uh, Sheryl Griziak, who's very active in the federal space and foresight, uh, leading that initiative. And uh, we're looking to use the uh, trends as a, as a jumping off point to do some deeper dives into some of the issues that the trends surface, have some uh, events uh, around those trends, and also start um, developing uh, some uh, more granular analysis of uh, specific issues, not quite as wide aperture as, as the trends, but uh, digging into emerging issues that are a bit more specific. So that's something, something else that the Center for Strategic Foresight is, is going to be working on this year. You do a great service. This fantastic report, as Adam said, and we really appreciate that contribution and your time talking about it with us today. So thanks very much. Robert, Adam, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.